Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, and welcome back to Wolverine Live. We're here with you tonight talking Michigan football. I'm John Borden. Right here is the man, Tom Crawford, who has dedication unknown to mankind Ooh. in that today is Tom Crawford's birthday. And here he is grinding away at uh, the uh, the labor of love that we call Wolverine Live and Michigan football. Tom Crawford, first of all, happy birthday. Understand that you were out uh, water skiing in the wee hours and who knows what else. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, see. Well, I, you know, it's it's a labor of love indeed. And, and I'm doing I mean, I do what I do passionately, you know, every day. So, I mean, I was up on the water at, at 655 this morning, skied a couple of sets. Did a radio interview with Pat Hayes out in the middle of the water. Sneaked that in between sets, okay, in the inside the cave, okay. Did that. Uh, and went for a walk with my neighbor. Um, I'm going to have some lemon meringue pie, my favorite pie. And I'm talking Wolverines twice today. I mean, it's a it's a full day. It's a heck of a day, as Jimmy Valvano would say, right? Right. And if you'd have told me it was going to be lemon meringue, I'd have made a surprise drop in on you. Now, now I'm you know, I'm 67. So everything I when I so this is a Reggie McKenzie birthday. 
Because everything about my birthdays is, is typically a football number or a basketball number. So Reggie McKenzie was 67 for the Wolverines All-American. Uh, last year was 1971. He was in that uh, Jim Brand Center clash. They, they lost their last game of the uh, of his, you know, that that Rose Bowl. They lost to Stanford 13 to 12. Otherwise, a perfect season. They were 11 and 0 going into that. So it's a happy Reggie McKenzie birthday for me. There you go, and it makes it two All-Americans. Reggie McKenzie uh, as an offensive lineman. Tom Crawford talking about Michigan football. So let's okay. jump. Right we both were down in Indy this uh, past week. Mm -hmm. and with that, there were all kinds of people to talk to. My question to you is just give us some of your initial reactions to what you heard and saw down at the Big Ten football meetings. Well, obviously, you know, the 800-pound gorilla in the room was, you know, how's Harbaugh going to react? Uh, you know, and that was his his gig was on Thursday, as we know, um, to the four, you know, projected four-game suspension. And um, Adam, Adam Rittenberg asked that question. We, we were – we all knew that it was just going to be, you know, swatted away in a nice way. I thought Harbaugh handled it very well with Adam. I'd love to talk about it, but I can't. So that, you know, that kind of did become – um, as big of a story, John, as I thought it would, uh, to me, the biggest takeaway by f David Braun, the DC, the interim head coach at Northwestern in the Friday podiums, you know, scrum, you know, you got Ryan day typically goes five deep around him, but he, I mean, I, the Northwestern podium was as much, if not more than Ohio state because of what, what, what are you going to get David Braun to, to say? And I was over there a good portion of that head-to-head -head battle. He was amazing. That dude was set up to fail, and I, he couldn't really say anything, but it's how he positively, you know, deflected, I mean, or answered as best he could and uh, with, a, with a positive tone. And I, I think they got the right guy from at least a public relations standpoint uh, of handling the press. He did, he did an amazing job. He's a young guy, and he just got hired into this program like, Last January, I don't think he and his wife knew what they were getting into, but um, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. That you know, that was a was a big thing that that stood out. And then also, and I think we're going to talk about this later in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Sometimes these stories break, you know, at Big Ten Media Days uh, about somebody starting to. I never remember Michigan football having as many as eight games established starting times mm. in 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 July and. Uh, the proposed, you know, 95% of whatever it is, 7.30 kickoff, Michigan, Michigan State at Spartan Stadium. And uh, and Mel, Mel Tucker saying, you know, we'll, we'll be there kind of playing the, you know, he, he kind of played the hard, you know, kind of the more, uh, you know, not mean-spirited, but, you know, kind of like – Tough guy. On his shoulder kind of deal. And and uh, Harbaugh, you know, kind of took a more flowery approach to it. You know, we're, we're you know – diplomatic approach i don't know that that's going to be brutal but uh, but um it, it, i just love being down there like you because i i i i i like ryan walters a producer. I, I just i just move around and see how people communicate and what they say about their program and get a pulse from it and there's no better place for that than big 10 media days yeah and i thought i agree with you on jim harbaugh in particular and how he and he handled things I told anybody that asked me, we got good Jimmy this time we, around. We did get good Jimmy. That's a perfect way to describe it. Good Jimmy will be engaging. 
He'll be funny. He'll yep. be insightful. He will be uh, loquacious. He will handle everything with uh, a fair amount of geniality. He doesn't always choose that as the season ramps up and he gets right. in situations where he knows people are coming after him or, you know, just he's in a mood. But we got good Jimmy throughout. And even when he talked about the uh, when it was asked about uh, the uh, NCAA potential sanctions, potential suspension, I thought he framed it really well. He said, I would love to be able to talk about it. Nothing to be ashamed of. Right. At some point, you know, I'll be able to talk about it, but I can't talk about any aspect of it. And that was it. And he was asked a few more times later on, and he said, same answer. I can't talk about any aspect of it, even though I'd like to. So it was just – and then, you know, they we went to uh, – but the, the very first question I got to ask him, you know, what's the, what's the next step for J.J. McCarthy? Yeah. And, I mean, he took that and ran with it, talking yeah. about – uh, comparisons to uh, Josh Allen and and Patrick Mahomes. And, yeah, that was a little. I well, I, I understand what he meant when he said, "Look at these guys and how they interact with their teammates." Yeah, and yep. how their teammates react to them. Yeah, that's how it is with JJ McCarthy. So mm -hmm. I don't know that he was uh, necessarily saying that that JJ McCarthy was going to be better than those two NFL quarterbacks, but he was he he likes the proper attitude and interaction in his team, and he sees that in the leadership of JJ McCarthy. There's no question about it. Yeah, you know you 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 nailed that perfectly, and and the timing of this, you know. There was this series called The Quarterback, and I got it off Netflix. Um, and I was watching it, it, it featured Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes, and Marcus Mariota, and, and, and you know, behind the scenes. And so, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota, they follow him going all the way to the Super Bowl. And I watched this after that comment that you brought out of Harbaugh about comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just, I mean, on the field, you see some stuff that JJ does. That, that could evolve into Patrick Mahomes level, if you know what I mean. He does so many of the similar things, obviously not with the experience and 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 refined talent, but it's it's there. But it's it's the locker room stuff, like you're talking about. He is right. he is one. He's got to be the most engaging Michigan quarterback I can remember, like ever, and in a leadership role. And, and and this team's got a ton of leaders. Oh my God! It's hard about talking about. It. There could have been thirty guys that played that three rep, of the, you know, of the three reps that were there, and and Mikey Samersfield, Blake Corum, and and Chris Jenkins. I mean, there's twenty seven others plus could have done that role, including JJ McCarthy. And that that's exact. That's a great comparison. Um, but you know, we'll see how that plays out. But he he's got all. He checks a lot of the Patrick Mahomes boxes. And things. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, by extension, some uh, some Tom Brady boxes. You, you asked Brady's former teammates about him, and they absolutely loved him. They loved how he interacted. He loved They loved how he brought people together, fired people up. And J.J. McCarthy is well aware of where Tom Brady played his football. It was interesting. They, they set up a photo that, his, that J.J. McCarthy's mom took. 
It was Jim Harbaugh uh, shaking hands with J.J. McCarthy. And it was, like I said, it was right outside his office. And on the wall behind them was a very similar pose with Tom Brady and uh, and uh, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. When he was yeah. in one time. So, I mean, it was it was just like, okay, that's the perfect setup there. He's a kid that has all kinds of um, confidence, all kinds of poise. And I loved his reaction when it was tossed to him. Okay, Jim Harbaugh mentioned you in the same sentences uh, as those two guys, uh, Mahomes and, uh, and Josh Allen. And basically, JJ's response was, "Look, I I emulate those guys. Yeah, but I'm trying to surpass them. I'm I'm trying to outdo them. <laughs> you know, that's pretty him, ambitious. You know, I I think that, like I said, Jim Harbaugh intended it. Uh, talking about a locker room type of thing. JJ McCarthy, it it is a I get a measure of his confidence, a measure of his swagger that he hears that." and doesn't wave it off and say, oh, no, 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 those guys, I'll never be those guys. And he says, look, I'm, I'm trying to be better than they are. Well, you know, part of being better than they are eventually will be decision-making. I mean, J.J., you know, since his freshman year, uh, you know, swashbuckler, you know, he's not afraid of making a mistake. And, and then we got, and we're looking at the TCU I, a clip right there. I mean, the TCU game, he made a couple of bad decisions that cost them the game. Now he may he he was terrific in the second half, but I think that in that maturation process for JJ McCarthy, what I'm going to be looking for this year are are not ill-advised, you know, mistake, you know, mistakes out there. I mean, he's he's got to clean that stuff up that's going to cost his team. And and sometimes you can have to eat the football, sometimes you can have to run out of bounds and and not just try to make a play all the time. And so I uh, and I think that will come in. I, I think we will see that. I, w- I would expect that this year. Yeah. And I you know, I was doing an interview earlier today and said very much the same thing. They, uh, I was the questioner asked, what, <clears throat> what does Michigan have to do to play at a championship level? And I, I simply said, it's, it's correct the major, major errors that were made in that TCU game. You can't have those. And that counts for the offensive side, the pick sixes. It goes on the defensive side, which you've uh, talked at length about. The uh, the mistakes they made there, the overcommitments and the big plays that they gave up. That's where, you know, you really start with your preparation for this season. How can we, when we get to the very best teams, how can we avoid those sorts of things that, dug a hole just big enough that despite a furious comeback by Michigan, they couldn't overcome. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so um, it's how you, how you, you're, you're real, real in JJ and making good decisions um, is, is pro- and, and we won't know about how that litmus test of that until he gets into these, Big games and these big games, unfortunately, are going to take a while to become big games. Um, hope they're not big games the first five, but or first four rather. But that fifth game at Nebraska, he might he might have to make make plays. You know, you, you just yeah. never know. And um, obviously at Michigan State, now that game's moved at night. That could be a test. You know, 
naysayers will say, hey, you know, Michigan's schedule, they, they don't play anybody until November 11th. So we won't even know how good they are until November 11th. And cynics will say that. And, you know, I sometimes say that. But I think they're going to be tested before that. And I hope they are tested because that's what's going to make you a better football player in J.J. McCarthy, ultimately a better football team for the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, you play a road game in the Big Ten, don't don't even – Yeah, Minnesota's another one. You know, I mean, that's – I mean, this isn't, you know, Swiss cheese kind of challenge. I mean, right. Yeah, granted, those are not top caliber teams as we look at right now, but those environments are going to, are going to present challenges that Michigan needs to endure. Absolutely. Getting back to Indianapolis for a moment, what was the most interesting one-on-one -on -one conversation – that you engaged in down in Indy uh, as far as somebody, maybe you got off to the side or, or just something that uh, you got that was unique. Well, I talked a lot to Blake on three long and questions in the, in the, in the booth, but I got Blake heading uh, after we were all done. And we did, we did Jack Evelyn and I did a radio show. So I'm walking out telling him, here's Blake. We're walking out with Blake. And I want, I, I needed to feel that blue velvet on that jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I love this jacket. A little hot outside, you know, but I got that, you know, because it was like, like 97 degrees when we walked out of Lucas Oil Stadium. Mm -hmm. But he got that, um, I don't know, some, some, some retail store on the, on the, you know, I don't know if it was State Street and Liberty, somewhere around there, I forgot where he mentioned it, but he is such an engaging young man. He, he really is. And, and one of the conversations I had with him in the scrum is how he talks about his, his uh, the running group, you know, the position group, a uh, meeting area, you know, that he has every day. You know, the, the the running back room is is deep. Let's just say it. And I asked him if if Mike Hart, um, you know, you guys are veteran. Donovan is in his third year. Does he, how much input does uh, he allow you into this thing? Because you got you got so many, you know, th these potent tools. I mean, Blake Corum. Donovan Edwards, I mean, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's, and J.J. McCarthy, that's, there's a lot of tools there. He says, oh, he allows us to be creative. He takes our input. It's going to be interesting to me how those, I, I got the indication both of them are going to be on the field at the same time. You know, innuendo is there. It's not just going to be either or. Um, and and so I, I think we're going to see some, maybe we'll see Blake Corum in the slot. And I asked him blatantly, okay, last year, Blake, 26, 30 carries a game. Right. You know, you loved it. You said, ah, I love it. Give me 40. Remember those post game yeah. pressers? It's just, I'd be happy with 10. I'd be yeah. happy with five. Just win. And and so he's, and he was, you know, you know, he was straight on honest with me. I mean, he, he this guy doesn't care. He just wants to help his team win. And um, I, I'm getting the feel it's probably going to be a 15 to 18 carry Blake Corn. We're going to see this year, maybe the same amount for Donovan. Who knows? But there, I think there's going to be some creativity and using all that talent. And uh, probably later on in bigger games, we'll see it, you know, utilized more often. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, there's the jacket. Uh, you talked about how he did need to take it off before he went outside because it was, yeah, it was broiling. <laughs> but I was envying him a little bit in the uh, – in the heavy air conditioning. Oh yeah, like sixty-two indoors, ninety-seven out. I mean, what's yeah. that about? I mean, it's it's this way every year. You have to put on yeah. sweatshirts to go indoors. It's for the the suit and tie guys, I guess. Yes, yeah. And my my most interesting one-on-one -on -one conversation came with none other than 
a Big Ten uh, reporter, uh, co- analyst, commentator, uh, very well known to Michigan fans. One, Mr. Jake Butt. And oh, he's he's all we, Jack had him on the show. He is that dude has got a lot of he's got a high ceiling, man. In this video, yeah, no doubt, good. he's no. really really good. Really good, and to talk to him about Michigan, here's a guy that that played on Jim Harbaugh's first two teams, yeah. including one that came that close to doing what uh, these teams the past two years have done, and very well could have. Um, and so we had a a very interesting conversation that's going to go. I'll I'm saving most of it for the Wolverine uh, magazine next uh, this this month's issue that's going right in my column, but. There's I'll I'll share with you one snippet of it. And I asked him, when was it over the past two years? What's what's the difference between that almost that you guys achieved and what they have now? And what was there a single moment that you knew that that this thing had turned? Good question. And, and absolutely. And I don't know if he said this uh, uh, in your radio interview, but he identified the exact moment and it was Ohio State 2022, the moment when uh, Roman Wilson gets his helmet ripped off in the end zone. Yes. A cornerback. And all of a sudden, you've got this phalanx of, uh, of Michigan offensive linemen walking across and, and backing him down, just towering over him. They didn't do anything stupid. They didn't take any swings. But they just backed him into a corner and said, this isn't going to happen. I mean, it was obvious by their actions. And Jake Butt said, I looked at that and, and I knew right then this, okay. All right. This is different. Yeah. You know, the other thing about, it's funny. I mean, Jack asked I'm a, in, a, in an interview with, with Jake, um, you know, you know, when Jack Gavin, he's going to go back to the, whoa, we had trouble with the snap game of, of, of you know, 20 of 2015, you know, that's what he always, he wrote a book about it, you know, but Jake, Jake was awesome. Um, because, um, and, and cause Jake almost had that, you know, game winning tackle in that game. He, he did an incredible job almost making the stop on that uh, unfortunate disastrous play. But Jake was basically said he knew what a great coach Jim Harbaugh was going to be for Michigan after that game, because after the game, I mean, it's like, it was, I mean, the way Jake described it, those players were in shock. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, they, they couldn't even process what had gone on. Okay, so he goes in there, and Harbaugh's, you know, finally their coach comes in, and um, it was like, okay, we're just going, we just got to put some steel in the spine. That steel in the spine comment came, you know, I think that was the first time that was delivered, and it registered, and that team got back to work that next week, and 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 you know, went on and had a a really good season, including a, a bowl win. So um, Jake knew right, yeah, year number one with Jim Harbaugh, his second to last year, that uh, that they got a good coach. And, uh, you know, it's I know there's been some rough patches since that time on and off, but that's when he knew it, that it was the right selection. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I just, like we said, there, there was so much to be <clears throat> gained there. And people will say, you, you don't really learn a whole lot. And there's a certain element of truth to that, but there's also the element of you get to see these guys operate and you learn things from that, just their demeanor, just the way they handle things. Talked about Harbaugh. How about the guys that uh, Michigan brought 
And um, what what was your maybe moment that really caught your attention from the uh, the Blake Corum and Chris Jenkins, Mikey Sainer still that uh, that were there? Okay, well, but let me throw on the media thing. Oh, it's a waste of time. That's for lazy, cynical media people who are too lazy to go there. All right. Do their job. Okay. These are media avails that you don't typically get. And, and you know, it's just being lazy. Okay. I'll, I'll get off on that. Okay. Um, I talked about Blake and some of that. Let me talk about Chris Jenkins. This guy, you and I love this guy. He is funny. He is a funny guy. He's um, so engaging. Um, and, and you know, he, he's looking great, man. I mean, he's he's lost some weight and uh, he's going to have a great year. But I asked him point blank. I said, Okay, um, I asked him about the night game, and, you know, he gave that diplomatic. And, you know, he says, oh, we'll be ready. I don't care when we play him. And he said he said he was very eloquent. These guys were all prepared, okay? And I'll talk about Mikey in a second. But he goes, okay, I go, so, Chris, I got to ask you, okay, the Ohio State rivalry to you versus the Michigan rivalry, Michigan-Michigan State rivalry versus Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, what's more important to you, okay? <laughs> he started laughing. So I'm going to give you a really lame answer. I mean, he's just so straightforward. You know, it just tells you, you know, I can't answer the question the way I want to answer it. But, you know, Chris is a Maryland guy, okay? I've noticed when I've asked that question. I ask that question all the time at Media Day, whoever the Michigan guy is. I just do because I want to use that bite back here. But um, I've noticed the in-state guys, you know, they'll, 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 they'll it's almost like a, a push at least. Michigan, Mich you know, they're saying the same. But these Ohio State guys, it's Ohio State. And I read between the lines of Chris Jenkins. He's a Maryland guy. You know, his dad was a Maryland guy, you know, um, from Maryland. And his dad played in Maryland and in the NFL. But in this Ohio State game, I could tell that's the big one. And, and, and the rivalry was talked about a lot and moving the game forward and all that stuff. Um, so, anyway, um, that was interesting. Mikey Sainer still is the serious dude in the room, right? Mm -hmm. Huge dis disparity. I mean, he's a great. I mean, he's a great leader. He's a quiet leader. We talked about that incident where he he had the the players' lounge locked because um, players weren't um, clean, making it clean. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. This mm -hmm. is a serious leader. And what struck me about Mikey Sainristell, Chris Jenkins, Blake Corum is this team is made up of a lot of different personalities. A lot of, you know, introvert, you know, more extrovert, you know, just more quiet guys, outgoing guys, but they all blend together. And so what, so, and, you know, at the end of Blake's interview, Mikey Sainer still comes over to his podium with Chris and the two of them interview Blake, right? And so they're dogging him how bad of a basketball player and a ping pong player he is. And it was really funny. And, yeah. you know, Mike in his very serious way and Blake is, you know, bravado. You know, I'll take care of business on the court. I would, I would be, it would be scary to play Blake Corum on a basketball court over at the Hoover Street. I am, in my opinion, I right. think, he would, I would, I think he would send you into the brick wall. <laughs> and, and but it was fun. I love seeing teammates, you know, four and five year guys who have been through the wars engage with each other. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. No doubt about it. That was, and that was my exact moment that uh, that I that stuck with me. Because yeah. on a couple of things, you're right that Mikey Sainer still is uh, the studious uh, leader. He's the, he's the adult in the room, you yeah. know. But he can also have fun, as he proved in that moment. Here yes, he exactly. 
and uh, you know, dogging the heck out of uh, Corum and, and yeah. great time with it with Chris Jenkins, who was a little more usually bombastic, I guess I would yeah. say. Yeah, but you know what? Like, that's what made it funny. It made okay. it funny because it was Mikey. You know, and he's he's trying to he looked like some NBC guy, you know, like the newscast or something. <laughs> and and Blake Corum rolls with it. Oh, he rolls with it. Yes. It kind of peels back the curtain on the kind of, you know, relationship that these guys have and the uh and the fun back and forth. That uh that's that's called chemistry. That's called that is what you need to have on a championship team. Yeah guys yep. obviously have it so yeah great mention of that and i i think that that was uh definitely the thing that stood out to me um we also heard a little bit about more about the uh suspension aspect you know four games has been what was floated with regard to jim harbaugh but um i i also heard that uh, you know, it's we we now know that Jim Harbaugh will still be able to coach this team. Yeah, time. I mean, it's not like okay, no. Well, so we'll see in October, Jim. Yeah, yeah. All week long, you're with them in the meetings, you're with them in the uh, practices and everything else. You just don't get it to show up on Saturday. My question to you is, does that suspension then mean anything? Um. No, and, and it's not just because the four games are, you know, relatively easy games, you know, definitely easy games, you know, to win, uh, at least on paper. And they might be higher. Who knows? They might have a hiccup but um, and make it hard. But, um, if you know, in talking to Chris and Blake, you know, that immediately activates, uh, we're going to play for him, you know. And sometimes these – when when uh, a player feels like the, the program or a coach has been – unjustifiably penalized for something and whatever that is that, you know, it's going to motivate them, going to get their attention and, and, uh, you know, it'll, it'll amp them up a little bit more. If, but if Jim Harbaugh's in over at Schimbackler Hall during the week, doing all the prep, that's when the, you know, that's when they do all the cultivation, the haze in the barn, when you go to the big house, I mean, it's already done and it's just execution. And so I, I think that that will be a minor thing, but, um, and in a, maybe a galvanizing thing, but it's going to be what I'm curious to know is, is how this plays out. When we hear, is it going to be, first of all, last week, it was, you know, it's going to be a four game talking to Angelique. It's going to be like, it sounds like it's a four game thing. And then you hear last couple of days, all oh, might be negotiated down to a two game. And, but I was worried about, you know, Sharon Moore's name was thrown in there and maybe a couple other, and I'm like, are we gonna have some, you know, Michigan going to have some assistance? you know, sitting aside. And then, then, then that becomes more impactful because uh, you're, you know, you're going to get the logistics of the sideline compromised a little bit. Um, but I think part of that negotiation, I mean, I, I think, I don't think that's going to be the part of the package at all. Um, I think those things will go away and, and maybe even Harbaugh won't have to serve for, maybe he will indeed just have to serve too. Yeah. And I believe this, whether it's four games or two, it is not going to have any kind of a significant effect yeah. on Michigan football because you're still doing all the prep time. You're all you're, yep. you're doing everything that you would be normally doing, except for standing there on uh, with the headset on on the sidelines. His guys are going to know what he wants in that situation, in those situations, and they 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 certainly shouldn't be playing cliffhangers in those first two games. So it doesn't, it's not going to make a difference competitively. 
Right. You're what I believe, I believe that uh, the NCAA is doing this, uh, if it does, basically to embarrass Jim Harbaugh. Oh, absolutely. No question. <laughs> okay. You're gonna. You're not gonna play ball completely with us and uh, yeah. down and say, hang your head and said, yes, I did. I bought those burgers and I I ordered the code red or whatever. You know, it's it, Jim Harbaugh told him he didn't recall, him, and yeah. he stands by that. And yeah. that they they want to say, okay, all right, now we're gonna put you uh, take you out of the spotlight for whatever it is, four games, two games, whatever. It's an attempt to embarrass by a group that is so ineffectual when it is not, you know, it's it's going after the real uh, lawbreakers, the real rule breakers of college football. And it's been that way for a long, long time. I mean, they want to, they, they, they want to, uh, make up, I guess, in the public eye for uh, for being able to uh, enable to rein in the the Alabamas and the uh, yeah. Ohio States and the Pete Carroll era USC's of the world. But man, don't you uh, don't you min- don't you uh, cover up when you've bought the burgers? Yeah, and the thing of it is, I mean, relative to the situation with Tennessee and Urban Meyer, Ohio State, I mean, you can go on and on and on down the list, you know, relative comparisons of uh, this team did that and they only got this, you know, and then, this, you know, four-game suspension for a coach. This this is why I keep saying if, if Jim Harbaugh went, if the Michigan Wolverines win the national championship here in 2023, Harbaugh's going to say, okay, you know, it's going to stick it to the, you know, and say, goodbye, I'm going out on, a, you know, I'm going out on a high, I'm, I'm national champion, I'm done with this charade, I'm out of here. And, uh, and 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 hand the keys over to Sharon Moore or whoever, my car, whoever that may be. So that's why I keep thinking that because I do indeed think Michigan's going to go fifteen and oh. And I'm well, sticking with that. There you go, and no reason to. Uh, you're so far, you got that right hand column perfect. Yeah, yeah, I'm on. The, yeah, I'm sitting here August first. I mean, there's a zero through over on the right side, so I'm so far so good, right? <laughs> and just you, you mentioned other coaches. We have heard no mention of of any thought of suspensions of Sharon Moore or, uh, yeah. or anyone else. So that, that is really good news. And I, I, again, I think that plays back into, there's no need to uh, try and embarrass those guys. They, they're going after the head coach, that guy that everybody knows that's, right. that's going to have that headset on. So, yep. yep. well, uh, we're going to take just a minute here and, uh, have a word from one of our sponsors. Uh, take that moment to shout out sponsor of our Tuesday night recruiting show and a longtime partner of the Wolverine in Lewis Jewelers. Simple question, guys. Is your daughter's engagement ring bigger than that of your wife? If the answer is yes, great news. Lewis Jewelers can help. It's uh, stress-free and easy working with one of their non-commissioned expert trusted advisors finding that perfect diamond. So stop by today, guys, and fix the family issue. Lewis Jewelers, your diamond store, and so much more since 1921. Visit them at their new location, 300 South Maple Road in Ann Arbor, or online at lewisjewelers.com. That's L-E-W-I-S-J-E-W-E-R-S.com. That's Lewis Jewelers, where Ann Arbor gets engaged. And, of course, we have uh, alluded to it. 
a couple of times, but uh, the Wolverines will be engaged in a night game at Michigan State University come, uh, what is it, October? At October some- 21st. I, Tom knows. He's already got it circled on his calendar. Um, I, I guess when you think about that, we have heard a lot of talk that came out in the wake of the announcement that that was going to be a night game. And I I hate to even give some of this talk uh, much attention because I think it was put out there with the intention, intention of getting attention. Yeah, there you go. But I, to the, to the point of, all right, is it going to be a dangerous situation? at Michigan State. Do you think it will be after what's happened last year and after all the talk and after all the bitterness is built up? And if, in fact, you think that it could be, if you're Michigan, what do you do? Well, I, you know, I know we don't want to give attention to it. I mean, these are two of these two of my friends. And one's, a, you know, I've worked with both of them. One was my producer with Jack Ebley. And the first, I'm talking about Mike Valini, Valini and Rico Beard. But throwing the nugget out, that uh, basically promoting violence, suggesting that uh, if Michigan fans better not wear maize and blue when they come into Spartan Stadium, they're going to be eating a battery. I mean, they're, they're throwing the notion out there you're going to get, you're going to be a victim of violence. You're almost, you're almost promoting it. They always tagline it. No, we don't, not that we don't condone that. That's like saying, no, don't take this wrong. You know what I mean? And, and Valenti goes like two games a year. So why is he talking about? It? So it really irked me. You think I'm, you think I'm, I'm, I'm wired right now? You should have seen me talking to Sam Webb about this and and and, and a few others of, of, on Thursday walking out of Lucas Oil Stadium. I just think it's reckless. I I, I think it's irresponsible, and that's all I'm going to say about it. You know, but, but I'm just saying my point is, if your if your intention is you're going to try to intimidate Michigan fans from showing up at Spartan Stadium. Uh, you're barking up the wrong tree. That's not going to happen. They will show up strong. They'll get their, they'll find their way in there. And what happens on the, the players will be secured. Yeah. Yeah. The stands, you know, maybe you're more vulnerable as a fan, but you, if you're trying to make the Spartan stadium look like, you know, the Oakland Raiders or Ohio state, I don't think it's going to happen, particularly when we see what happens on the field. Cause I think Michigan's going to clock Michigan state at least by the second half. I think it might be tight for one half. And then all of a sudden, now those fans are going to lean the stands, and they're you know so that whole violence thing I think will be gone. But just throwing that nugget out really irritated me, especially when violence is such a talk piece these days on all levels, you know, all fronts in, in news pegs these days. Um, I, I thought it was hideous, and yet Rico said on press pass, "Yeah, but we got a million hits. Yeah, that's why you're hired. It's all about getting attention." Yeah, and, and I think that that's that's in that's just ridiculous and. Once again, irresponsible. That sounds like lying uh, about an election. I remember uh, one famous comment that uh, after someone was caught in a lie and said, uh, we won, didn't we? That, you know, it's, it's unconscionable that you do things where, where the end automatically justifies the means. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I, I understand it's the way of uh, the world these days with media, but it shouldn't be. Yeah, it shouldn't be, and 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 it's it, it, you know it's just dangerous. I you know I, I don't think we should do that kind of. That's just my opinion. 
you know, I, I know the show's doing great, and um, yeah, we probably should stop talking about him. So I'm sorry I went on about it and gave him and gave him that attention, but I, it had to be addressed. Okay. I had to get, I had, therapeutically, I had to get off my chest. I did a little bit on on, on press pass on Sunday night. And it got kind of ugly. I, I don't like going down and and having that mean spirit come out of me. It's there. And um, with Rico, we had we had kind of a a wicked, uh, you know, 30 seconds to a minute there going at it. Um, I don't want to go in, you know, so I don't like it. Anymore. I mean, as long as you didn't catch a battery in the teeth. It's a football game, for God's sakes. It's go. a college football game. I, I, and none of us are on, you know, they got, there's 110 players in each program, whatever. That's their game. Let you know, let's, let's keep things in perspective. I will say this. Last year's incident happened because Michigan State was able to isolate a couple of Michigan players. I know the talk, the answer to that will be, well, they ran up the tunnel early. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. They, 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 Rico and, 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 and Valeni make Michigan State. The, the reason Michigan State fans are going to beat up Michigan fans is because they, the, they were the victim. See, they look at themselves as the victim last year. 100% the victim. Unreal. For the eight suspensions. You the had rules blah, 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 blah. So that yeah, that's they're playing the victim card. You, you had kids trying to get up that tunnel. One because he was injured and getting treatment. The yeah. other so he could see his dad from who was in from out of state before he had to leave. Right. Had an assault. That's yeah. what he had. So, in terms of what you do this year, I think Michigan has to a emphasize to their team we don't go anywhere without a bunch of us. Well, that tunnel is going to be secure. I mean, there's going to be that tunnel is going to be a hundred percent secure. Yeah. I'm not, you know, this is issue is nothing to do with players on either team. This issue is in the tailgates, you know, along Shaw Lane and all that stuff. Michigan fans coming in and how that rolls out pregame. You know, when you got now alcohol is is now going to be able to be sold at Spartan Stadium, and it's going to be sold at Spartan Stadium. It's a seven thirty kick. The first time Michigan plays Michigan State at night not 3 30 evolves into darkness at that you know get game it's over at 7 30 but it starts at 7 30 so let's be real there's gonna be some wired people and some you know idiotic people acting stupid okay I, so there's there's a there's a recipe for some mishaps indeed i think michigan comes in with a, a significant show of security presence around that football team and the other thing oh, is, they will, they will, absolutely, they will. But you still, as a fan going to that game, uh, probably not a good idea to uh, go on your own, uh, meet up with some like-minded people, and uh, travel in groups. Yeah, but do you wear? But do you? I mean, Valenti was taught to say, "Don't you better not wear maize and blue. Don't bring your kids. Don't bring. You know, you better not wear maize and blue, or you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be eating battery." Well. That's a pathetic. Uh, Whatever that means, I never. What, what does that, that mean? I mean, that's it's a it's a pathetic threat. Yeah, uh, is is almost encouraging acts of violence and a absolutely it's promoting the concept and actually projecting it, predicting it, and 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 being. It, you know what? Not that I condone it, but he seems to be all right with. It. Yeah, yeah he, he, no. he likes the concept that they're going to be too scared to show up. Yeah, that's the way it is. That's All right. Way. Well, enough of that. Right. We're heading down the home stretch here. We got yeah. a couple more. Um, which Michigan assistant coach do you see having the toughest job this coming fall? 
That's a hard. That's a hard question. That's a, that makes it a good question. That's a great question. Okay, and um, and you know what? I'm gonna. I I I can't just pick one. I mean, it, but it's all defense. Okay, I'm not even the offensive guys. You're not going to be part of this discussion. There's one guy, uh, Steve Klingscale. I you know because I there, there's a position, uh, that's up in the air. Uh, that one corner slot, and 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 so there's still. That's one part of it. I'm I'm just the defense will continue to scare me for going on two to three decades in big games, going back to the 2006 Michigan game when or Michigan Ohio State game when Ron English had this great defense and all of a sudden they get exploited. So I'm worried about the defense. Will they be exploited when they get further into the schedule? Ohio State, maybe even at Penn State or in the CFP, when all of a sudden you have the speed that we haven't spent around. And are we going to be exploited? So the secondary, I'm concerned about that. Giving up big plays. It happened last year against TCU. And then Chris Partridge comes back into the program. When someone leaves and then comes back, you also wonder, how's that going to work out? You know, um, Chris Partridge, linebacking, linebackers, despite, I'm not, I'm not going to say Mike Elson in this discussion because his D-line is so frigging deep. I mean, my God, he got eight guys rotating it. He'll be just fine in his in his role, but Chris Partridge, linebacker is not deep. Is that a is that an accurate statement in your mind? It's not deep. It's good. It's very. It, it's not deep. It, I I would say it is getting deeper. It certainly got deeper via the transfer portal, and uh, there are guys that you know the Jimmy Rollers of the world that are um, yeah that that I think we're in the developmental stage still are. And I, I, you know, I think that they're they're going to be all right there, but well, again, they'll be all right. But it's an issue. And then, and then the other the other guys. So I have three coaches. I, mean, I got to mention Jesse Mentor. He has to he has to make the right decisions. He has yep. to make the right decisions in big games. So the pressure to me for this Michigan team to reach the ultimate goal is their defense. Yeah, in my mind, against against speed. Because it's and happened, like we talked about. Sometimes in these Michigan looks, oh, their defense is great, like two thousand three. And they go out in USC, and USC runs by them like they're parked on the side of the road. I mean, um, after a real a Big Ten championship team in 2003 outright. And that's that just lingers with me. I want to see the defense deliver when it's like, – like it delivered in, uh, in the 88 season. It, it delivered big time. That's And the 85 team, you know, those two defenses to me, that's the creme de la creme of Michigan defense. Absolutely. And for those same reasons, the, those big moments you were talking about, yeah. my, my answer to the question was Jesse Minter because he's the one ultimately responsible and flipping the switches as to, okay, what happened against TCU? How do we fix it? How do we not replicate that sort of uh, letdown in the most crucial moments of the game with a full understanding that 14 of those points didn't come off the defense? Uh, yeah. There were still enough that you have to deal with it. Uh, and I would say 1A there would be Sharon Moore, who now is running that offense. Yes, he's got a lot of parts, but he's got to come up with a way to creatively keep uh, Corum and Edwards going at the same time a lot of times. And uh, just in the red zone, mind you. It works. Yes, absolutely. All right. We're right down to it. Tom's take our final segment as always. Tom, what do you have for us? Well, the, the, you know, for me, the, the, you know, the big concern um, about, you know, 
this Michigan team moving forward is is how they're handling all this hype. You know, I mean, we, we saw we're seeing all, all you know, you know, they're they're picked to win the Big Ten, so they're in a new you know they're in a new realm of there's a lot of expectations. I mean, everybody high profile media is is picking Michigan, so I think the leadership is going to be. I think they'll do fine, but that's just a new. I mean, never had those expectations, like I said, since the 1976 team having this many, you know, one or two. So how they handle that, to me, is 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 a glaring issue that, um, and we won't know for a while. But um, that that's gonna that's a wild card variable that I'm and I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about that. These are concerns. The other concern is is basically staying healthy. I mean, when do you take JJ McCarthy out of these early games? Okay. I mean, how, how you got to make some decisions uh, in these potential blowouts early on. And, and when's that, you know, what, I mean, Jim Harbaugh typically plays his starters deep in, you know, into the game, even, you know, four and five touchdown differentials, you know, is when do you pull JJ out? Can you pull him? Can you pull him out of halftime? Does he get enough reps? These are tough decisions Michigan's going to have because last thing you want to do is have an injury, and uh, you know have a hap- an injury happen in the you know third quarter of the UNLV game, and you're going to be hearing about it forever. So, does that concern you? Well, and how do you think, John, that they're going to approach that? Well, I just think you have to certainly have that first unit on there enough to ex- establish a rhythm in regular ball games. But you know, if you, if you're up at halftime uh, significantly and, you know, you give them, you know, the, a lot of the standard has been give them the first series. First, first, yes. Third quarter. And, you know, if you're, if you're up by uh, more than three touchdowns, Hey, pull them back off. You well, can all- I mean, we see that. We see that John at the quarterback, but well, sometimes when I'm looking out there, in these games, I'm looking at a defense that has some ones and, and definitely twos into the fourth quarter. I mean, I mean, there's, there's some of the ones on defense are in there the whole third quarter. And as to develop the depth, I hope that they get more kids involved in the rotation. Now, I, I'm not smart enough to figure out how much game time ones need to have to keep in rhythm. But yeah. I, I'm going back to my other worry concern. If you awake at night, you know, miss this Michigan team, then they stay healthy, you know? Um, so you're not having a lingering injury that, that goes on all season long that becomes a factor in how they do. All right. That, and that goes right back to my old uh, basis point that you do not have a 2023 schedule that wows the socks off of the home fans, but you have a great 2023 schedule from the standpoint of player development early right. on. Okay. Of keeping guys healthier, all of those sorts of things. That when you get into the meat of the Big Ten schedule, you're ready to go. Okay, and- so 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 with that being said, then and to bring those guys out earlier than you normally do. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Harbaugh plays is, you know, blow, you know, brings them out real real. I mean, but and you've noticed it. They're out there longer than you think. They're. I mean, they're up. You know, they're up 42 points, and I'm seeing I'm seeing a couple ones out there. Yep. I just it doesn't matter, you know. I'm at least once it doesn't make any sense, or three or four ones. I mean, I just like, why is this going on? Yeah, well, 
time to call it at that point. And it's time yeah. to call it in this Wolverine Live. Uh, great, uh, fun discussion. I appreciate you, Tom. And uh, we will do this again next week. We yeah. have, I believe, including this one, four more, or no, not including this one, four more Tuesdays to go before yeah. the start of the season. So, uh, yeah. We'll have it all figured out by then. Oh yeah. Then we when we start talking about what's happened the week before, then it's just muscle. I mean, we just we're, we're just rolling at it, you know, and, and critiquing and uh it's a lot of fun. Always uh it's a privilege to be on here with you, John. Thanks so much for having me on. All right, and happy birthday. All right, thank you, JV. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.